Welcome everybody to the Friar Talk podcast. Today we're going to be recapping the Padres Diamondback series. Then we're going to be getting into a Padres Giant series. And then after that, we're going to have two other segments for you. We're going to talk about Fernando Tatis's struggles and who the Padres closer should be. Um, and if you're listening on YouTube, these are going to be segmented different clips. So make sure to subscribe, like, do all that stuff. But let's get into the recap of this past series. We're going to go through pros and cons. And I'll start out with my biggest pro. It's Joe Musgrove. Um, Chase, you're going to buy his jersey, I know. So it's exciting. He's the the homegrown kid out there wearing 44. And he came in and dominated in his first start. So I have him as my first pro. Excellent performance on Saturday. And I just think that that was a perfect way to introduce himself to the San Diego Padres. I think he had by far, maybe not by far, Snell's not much further behind, but the best pitching performance because he was able to keep his pitch count down while being effective in the strike zone and keeping the keeping the Arizona hitters off balance. Um, we saw he has really good stuff, and we saw he was able to dominate throughout the whole game. I think another pro that we uh, that we could touch on in that game was Ryan Weathers, who threw three innings and looked just as dominant. You know, he looked like he had really good stuff. I think he touched 96, 97 on some fastballs, and it was really good to see. Very encouraging, uh, very encouraging day, really, for the pitching staff on that day. Another pro I would give is, you know, the hitters were pretty patient at the plate. They took pitches, fouled a lot of pitches off when they didn't get their pitch, lengthened at bats, took walks. You know, when you're not, I mean, there is a little bit of like, hey, they were taking some fastballs down the middle, but that's just their approach. They want to take pitches and kind of drive the starting pitcher out of the game because when they were doing that, they won the games, you know. They probably had most of the Diamondback starters out by like the fifth inning, which is exactly what you want. You want to get into the bullpen early so that you see, you know, the not as strong arms. You don't see your closers or the setup mans. You get those weaker arms out and the Padres can do damage on it. So I like their approach at the plate. Absolutely. Now, the approach at the plate was really crucial in the wins in the first three games of the series. And then the fourth game, I want to say it was the fourth inning and the Diamondbacks starter who looked really good, and I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Wiedener, is that his name? Something like that. Yeah, it, he's. It, I think he's. I don't know much about him, but he looked really good, and he had pitched like 44 pitches, and it was like four. It was like four innings and like four and two thirds innings pitched, I think, at that point, and it was just a lot of really quick at bats. But in the previous three games, you saw them just taking to a lot of counts, deep counts, and that just allowed them to capitalize. And then on opening day, especially too, they go down, but they get to get to that bullpen a lot earlier. And then they kind of slowly chipped away. And then they had the two runs, obviously Jake Cronin worked with the big, the big triple in that game, but going deep into the counts, that was what we saw last year too, from just from the start of the season where it was like, Hey, they're taking a lot more pitches. And this is very different from former Padres lineups especially when they had guys like Manny Margot up there who they just didn't see pitches. They had guys that just really weren't drawing a lot of walks. Having the Tommy Fams, the Fernando Tatises, the Manny Machados, who all three of those guys haven't even really played that well up to this point, but they're still taking a ton of pitches at the top of the lineup. And then you see a Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, you know, Jake Cronenworth, those guys really have, have a lot of success just because the pitches, their pitchers start getting worn down a lot quicker. Um, another guy um, I'll talk about today, and Isaac, you can get into him a little bit too. Chris Paddock, I think he deserves a pro just because he had a rough spring and he starts out this game and it's it looks like he's going to get pulled early. It looks like it's going to be a, a really 
bad start for him right off the right at the beginning. Uh, he he drops the ball in foul territory, allows three hits consecutively right at, to start the game, and then you see him totally settle down. And he did have a high pitch count, only pitched four innings, allowed two earned runs. But I think overall it was a successful day for him. Did you feel like that as well? Yeah, I don't think it was a bad outing whatsoever. It wasn't an amazing outing, but by by no means was it a horrible outing. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, well, he allowed three runs and he had a high pitch count. Well, let's, let's give credit to the Diamondbacks hitters. They were able to fight off a lot of pitches. You know, he was actually throwing some good stuff with his changeup and his fastball, but the Diamondbacks were able to hang in there and uh, drive his pitch count up. Uh, I think the one thing we were talking about during the game that did kill him a little bit was he wasn't able to put away hitters. And that's what ultimately like led to a little bit of his struggles. But outside of his high pitch count, he was getting the ground balls. I want to say he had three double play ground balls that just, you know, the double plays didn't end up as a result, but he did get them. He, uh, you know, the other team was hitting a lot of pop flies and ultimately not a horrible outing. And I think, you know, out of your fourth starter, if he allows two earned runs, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And then another guy, because I, I don't think we've really, I guess, been like brutal or like been harsh towards uh, Chris Paddock. Like we've been pretty like, hey, we think he has this stuff. He's just been struggling lately. One guy that we uh, we do seem to slander quite a bit is Eric Cosmer. And I know a lot, when we talked about him batting cleanup, there was there was quite a few people said, hey, I, I think you guys are underestimating Hosmer a little bit. Um, and and I think it's fair. I think a lot of times we get a little bit more frustrated with the glove. Because he's always been a solid hitter for the Padres. He does ground to a lot of double plays, does do things like that that are a little bit frustrating. But all credit to him today because over this series, he looked spectacular. Coming into Sunday, he was hitting, was it 857? And so we did this last year, but we have to do our apologies to Eric Hosmer because we we slandered him too hard. So we're going to have to do that again this year. I, I hope he continues to look really good. I do think that him and Will Myers, it helps them a lot when they're not the the main superstars and they're more of, I, I don't want to say complimentary guys because I don't think that's fair, but they're not the the superstar players. You know, they're not hitting two, three, but they're able to hit after like the big, the big bats. And I think that helps both of them a lot. So, I mean, I hope that we see an Eric Cosmer year where he's just, don- just dominates and just continues to hit the ball and walk a lot. Because if he's able to do that, then he he deserves to back clean up. You know, like I, I think that all of us will be, be the first to say, like if we're wrong about a guy and he starts being really successful, we, we want to see that happen. So Chase, do you, do you think that we, uh, we deserve Eric Hosmer an apology? Yeah. Especially after that first game, we were like, yeah, we really don't want to see him against the lefty. And you know what? He hit off mad bone pretty well. He came in clutch. He took the pitches. I do think most of our frustration comes on from like the glove side. You know, we signed him to be a four time gold glove first baseman and sort of hasn't lived up to that. But every time we sort of get on him and slander him a little bit, he always proves us wrong. So I hope he continues to do that across the whole season, kind of have a resurgence like he did in his last year and the Royals. You know, I think he had like 321 with 20 home runs. If we can get like a Hosmer like that. I will buy. I I wouldn't say I will buy myself a Hosmer jersey, but I will like sport something Hosmer related and apologize because he proved us wrong. Yeah, I I think that's kind of a, a big thing for you to say, Chase, because you you've been uh you haven't been on the Hosmer train at all. <laughs> no, um, I ever since the signing, I hated the signing from the beginning, so I've never been on the Hosmer train. 
Yeah, no. So, so this is it's good though. It's good to see him out there just playing really, really well. Um, he he was driving the ball super well. A lot of stuff just going into uh, right field. A lot of times he's just cranking it early on stuff. And and a lot of people like to talk about his like ability to, to hit all across the, the the park. But in this series, I I just felt like he was pulling the ball so well, and he just seemed his timing was great. He's driving the ball high in the air. It's not, and he had a few ground balls, but most of like he has a pretty level swing but he's still able to get the ball with a lot of air underneath it. So I, I like that. Um, and if he continues to do that, like I said, like th- that's what we want to see. We want him to see, we want to see him. We want to be comfortable with him in the cleanup spot, which would, which would be fantastic. The only other pro I, I had like specific guys is jerks and Profar, who also struggled a lot in spring. And we were a little bit concerned, like, Hey, is he going to be able to like, come in and actually produce right away. And and he's hit pretty well. I think he's hitting over 400 right now. Um, but any other pros that you guys have before we kind of get into a couple cons that we had over this first series? I just want to quickly mention Luis Campuzano. I know, you know, the box score doesn't really show it today, but he was hitting the ball hard. You know, his last two at-bats, or no, like I think he went 0 for 4 today. So the middle two at-bats. He hit a rocket to right field, you know, great play by, I don't know what his name is, last name Smith, I think, but 100 miles per, 108 miles per hour off the bat, you know, just made a great play. And then he also had another, uh, should have been a base hit up the middle that got, you know, great play by that guy too, uh, 106 miles per hour. So, you know, he's mashing the ball right now and hopefully uh, I want to see him on the roster throughout the season. I just wanted to bring up Haseon Kim. He looked really solid in his debut. You know, we were saying like he might not have, you might have a little trouble keeping up with the fastball, but hey, he nailed two fastballs into left field like rockets. His first one was 108, and then his second one was a line drive that one hopped the left fielder. So if he continues to build off that, man, we have scary bench pieces and utility pieces that can just be used anywhere. Yeah, I absolutely agree with both those guys and two young players that we haven't got to see much of. So I like that you bring up both Compensano and then Haseon Kim. Because Haseon Kim, I thought, was going to struggle a lot. And and we're probably going to talk about this later in the, the week. But he was a guy that we thought might get sent down to AAA once Trent Grisham returns. But I don't know if that's going to be the case because he looked pretty good early on. And I think it in, might end up being a different guy that gets sent down. Um, different topic, topic for another day. But moving on to the cons, I think the biggest one is going to be Fernando Tatis. We're going to talk about him a lot later, so I don't want to get into it. Also, just quick note. He he did a good job of, of ending the weekend with a just absolute moonshot after he struggled for the most part. So I do like to see that. Um, the other guys I have, Manny Machado, you Darvish, not concerned at all with Manny Machado. Like we saw him start out so last year. He's a guy that once he gets into a rhythm, he becomes unstoppable. Sometimes it takes a while. The great thing about Manny, he's going to be spectacular with the glove and he's going to keep getting on base with walks. So even if he's not hitting, he's still contributing in many other ways. Also, you Darvish, first start of the year, I think we're going to see him bounce back against the Giants. So these these cons I'm not too concerned about. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is Jace Tingler. We saw him do some questionable things, and it's not like he's doing stuff that we totally disagree with all the time. But whenever he does something that we disagree with, it always feels like, hey, why is he doing this? And then immediately it backfires. For instance, like the big one for me was the double steal, and then they steal third again. When those guys are stealing, I, I think in all of our heads, I, I can't speak 100% for you guys, but at least for me, it feels like why are they stealing with one out 
with two guys. Like, what, what are they doing? And Hosmer's up, and then he hits a bomb right after. Like, you just lost a run right there. Um, the other one, why is Craig Stammen going up and hitting? <laughs> I, I did not understand. That one really frustrated with me. And the only other one that really frustrated me besides that one, because that one I was like, why is he even in? Like, are we really going to put him out another inning? Not only does he get out, but then he comes in and allows a two-run shot the next inning. So that was a not not a good move right there. And then the last one was when Manny Machado bunted uh, in today's game. I, I want to say that it was the first inning, I believe. And it's just like, why is Manny Machado bunting? Like, you don't do that with Manny Machado. I'm sorry. But I would rather see him swing in the bat, especially with two outs. So I just think that some of the questionable calls that he makes, they just immediately backfire. And that's why I've had an issue with it. But overall, the very, very positive weekend for the Padres. First time they've started out 3-0 since 1984. So I don't want to be too negative. But those, those were a couple of the cons we had for this first game. But Isaac, anything else you wanted to add with about those? Uh, I think you pretty much nailed the cons. My biggest issue, like you said, was Craig Stammen. Uh, we saw how costly that was. You know, I think my biggest uh, issue was taking out Blake Snell. I know there's people that are going to be like, you know, well, he was already at a high pitch count. But what's a better way to start your debut than with a W? You know, he took him out against a guy that already had struck out twice. And if he would have struck him out again or just gotten out in general, that's his W. And I just, I don't know, I, I felt like he deserved the W. Other than that, though, um, the Machado bunt was definitely – it was weird. I don't know what the heck happened there. But, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got. Uh, I agree. I didn't think he should have took out Snell at all. Uh, he was at 86 pitches, which it's not too high for, like, an opening day game. You let Darvish kind of struggle out there until he got to, like, 93, 94 pitches, and then he took him out. So why couldn't you let Snell get at least one last chance to – you know, finish his five innings so that he can qualify for a dub. He had zero earned runs. He had like eight strikeouts. Like Isaac said, the guy struck out twice against them. Give him that guy. And if he walks him, uh, okay, then take him out. He He's probably lost a little mind. You usually want to trust your starter to go five. And I just don't want the Padres do to Blake Snell what the race did. And that's kind of what Tingler did. You know, he was standing there. He's like, guys, is Tingler really taking me out? Is he really doing what Kevin Catt had to me in the World Series? And I just had to sit there and be like, we're really doing this to Blake Snell again. The guy that we're like, you know what? We're going to let you go do whatever you want. And we're taking him out at, before five innings. So I was just like, that hurt. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that one. And I think for Blake Snell, I think it's a little bit different than other players just because the last time we saw Blake Snell in a meaningful game, that's exactly what happened. And it kind of came back to, well, it, not kind of, it clearly came back to bite the Rays in the ass. So that's where that one gets a little bit frustrating. But I think that's pretty much good for the recap. I think we saw a great display of the Padres' depth in this one. You know, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, they're not necessarily playing really well, but Padres' depth steps up. You have guys all across the lineup. Any part of this lineup can hit, and I think we saw that. That's why they won those three games. Um, that's why you put up seven runs in two two games in this series. And overall, I think it's a very big, a very great start of the year for the Padres. But let's move on to the the preview against the San Francisco Giants. Always fun to watch the the Padres and the Giants series. I, I we talked about it a couple weeks ago with Leo, just that. The Giants are always scrappy. The, the Padres aren't really, I guess, a scrappy team now. Got got a little bit more power, a little bit more swagger than, than years past. But normally this is just one of those fun divisional series, and I think we're going to see that again. 
the three pitchers slated for the Padres in this series are Adrian Morahone, Yu Darvish, and Blake Snell. The big thing that I'm wondering about Adrian Morahone and Blake Snell is how long are these guys going to go? Because we just talked about Blake Snell. Six innings, that's what you would like to see from him. And then for Morahone, I'm hoping we get at least five. I, I think six innings would be – that would be a really, really good start for him. Um, I just don't know how much they're going to really let him go. I, I mean, there's a chance that he comes out there and he pitches three or four. So, Isaac, what do you think? Do you think that's like a, a big issue – or not a big issue, but a big question moving into this series? Absolutely. I think we saw, you know, last year, we saw more home get taken out after like 40 pitches at once. I think hopefully, hopefully they aim for four innings, but I wouldn't be surprised if they take them out before that. I think four innings is the most realistic. Like if we had to bet on something, it would be that he goes four innings. Uh, five innings, a little bit of a stretch. Six innings would be like a miracle. But, uh, you know, um, Morahone, we know he's going to pitch a great game. We know that uh, he's a dominant pitcher. He's shown good stuff. And then obviously we got Darvish and Snell after that, who we know what to expect from them. Yeah, my main thing with one is, is like Tingler never has really let him like actually stretch out more than three innings. Like we saw last year, he may have been the guy that started a game, but Tingler only let him go three innings. I don't think he ever started a fourth inning last year. And during spring training, we didn't see him, I think, go more than a couple innings at a time. So I really hope Tingler lets him go in, get his like five innings, maybe like 80 pitches in. That's just me hoping, but let's see what Tingler does. I'm hoping for a U Darvish bounce back game. He kind of got roughed up at the end by the Diamondbacks, but I think that's just like a pro to the Diamondbacks hitters. They laid off some really nice pitches from U Darvish. I was watching the game. I'm just like, wow, they really just took that slider for like ball of a strikeout. Darvish has his stuff. He'll play better against the Giants, so I'm not too worried about him. And I'm just hoping Snell, you know, they let him let loose a little bit more. Yeah, hopefully they let Snell go five. <laughs> that, w- that would be a good a good sign. For for you, Darvish, I definitely think a bounce back is really possible. We saw him. He looked good at the beginning of the game. The first inning, I think, was he allowed to run. But then after that, he looked good for a few innings, and then he struggled. I want to say it was the fourth in- No, fifth inning. It was the fifth inning that he struggled. Fifth. And then yeah. they bring Tim Hill in, and Tim Hill struggles, of course. But you, Darvish, I think, has a chance to – put up a dominant performance on Tuesday against the Giants just because the Giants lineup is, isn't very good. And I expect you Darvish to kind of settle in, you know, it's a lot different, not pitching on opening day, ton of pressure there, especially new ballpark, new fans, you know, so much just new for you Darvish. I think that this is going to be a lot, a lot less of pressure again for him. Um, But for the lineup, Isaac, who's like your, bounce back guy or guy that you think is going to continue to look really good against the Giants this next series? Well, I think my bounce back is going to be similar to many people's bounce back, Fernando Tatis. Um, we saw his struggles in this series, but he ended off the series with a 400-foot bomb. So, you know, that's always a good thing to see, and I hope that he's able to carry that momentum onto this next series. And he has a really good opportunity to do so against some pitchers that, you know, they're not very big names. So I think that's my obvious bounce back. Um, I think Jake Cronenworth, uh, we didn't mention him in the pros video, but he's absolutely doing amazing right now throughout these first four games. Struggled a little bit in the fourth game. The first three games, he was spectacular, though. So I definitely think he's going to keep it up. 
Yeah, I can't really say. I, mean, I think anybody's going to have a bounce-back game. I think today was sort of Tatis's bounce-back game. He had two hits, one of them being an absolute bomb. So I think he's starting to get into rhythm. But a guy I kind of want to see just improve, and maybe he can doing this during this three-game series, is Campusano. It seems like he's sort of winning the spot starts between him and Caratini because Caratini's only really cut Darvish, though I think he caught yesterday too. Though I just kind of hoping to see him like actually collect a couple multi-hit games here and there. Really see him swing the bat. Like he did really good today, making contact. Just got unlucky. We've seen that happen before, so I'm hoping he can figure it out. All right. So then for this Padres Giants series, what are you guys thinking? You think the Padres? You think they pull off the sweep? You think they win it two one? If I if I had to say anything, I think they they go two one. And honestly, I expect him to have the both the Darvish and the Snell wins and maybe lose on Monday where it's going to be a little bit more of a bullpen dependent day. Of course, you have the chance for the sweep any series, but I just think that the, the Giants are a scrappy team. They're, they're always going to be solid. And in these divisional opponents, you just want to win these series. I think that's the main goal. So I'm going to say Padres 2-1 in this series. Isaac, what do you got? Chase, what do you guys, what do you guys both got on this one? I got Padres 2-1, but... Very realistic chance they go for the sweep. Seeing how Morahone, yeah, it probably will be a more bullpen-dependent day. But, you know, if Morahone goes around five, maybe pushes six innings, I definitely think we're going to pull out a W in that one because Morahone does have good stuff, and he's been able to uh, – I'm pretty sure he's pitched against the Giants before. Am I right? And I, I thought he had a good outing. So, um, realistically, you know, we could go for the sweep, especially seeing how we're not facing exactly – dominant pitchers or a dominant lineup and we do have our one and two going on uh the last two games i say we get the sweep i think mortahone gets his five innings in i think myers might be the mvp of the season i think myers just hits really well in at&t just from memory it's in it's in peco oh it's in oh, peco yeah. oh he's yeah. just still hits pretty well against the giants in general <laughs> yeah he does yeah, I'm just looking forward to this series. I think it's going to be a sweep. I think we're going to get some really good pitching performances, and I think Myers is just going to continue to rock that number five. Yeah, I, I loved how we had we predicted him. We we're like, all right, if you're going to bet anything, like it's a Will Myers opening day at home run, and then he hit a bomb. We, we were so hyped about that. <laughs> so I, I think that I think that we're going to see a good series. I, I think the Giants. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but they're they're an underrated club. Uh, a lot of people don't think they're any good. I, I think they're okay. I think they'll be around a 500 baseball team. So, sweep a win of the series. I think both all of us would be happy with that. So, that's where we're at on that Giants series. Um, and if this is your first time watching on YouTube, we're going to be doing previews, recaps, and just other segments throughout the year. So make sure to sub. But that's going to do it for the the re or the preview. So Fernando Tatis Jr. has not exactly started the year super hot. Uh, obviously, 456-foot home run to end Sunday's game was a, a big win for him. And I think that was just a, a home run where he just took all of the frustration out on the ball and, and sent it over the, the bullpen. So that was really nice to see. However, he has had some struggles. I, I don't know where you guys are at. I don't feel concerned at all about this moving forward. We know Fernando Tatis Jr. is a superstar. He has came into this year so much pressure for such a young baseball player. And I think that's where you kind of have to go, hey, like, you know, Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, these guys are going to take him under his wing and just, hey, man, don't worry about it. Like, 
You don't need to be frustrated. I think we've we've seen him kind of out there look a little bit, I, I guess, antsy or a little bit like frustrated, um, and we just or flustered, I guess, is the right word, and just trying to like force some things, and and, and that's been the reason he's he's had the, a few errors, four errors, four games, not ideal, but is in terms of hitting. I am not concerned at all. I think he just moved his batting average up to like 180 with the the two hit performance on Sunday. Yeah, 188 right now. So not concerned about that. But is there any any type of long term like uh, I don't know concerns for you guys moving forward? Because for me, I don't have any, and, and we can get into the fielding in a second. But I don't. I think it's just hey man, you got a lot of pressure going in this year, and he just wants to come out there and dominate from the start. And we just see him look a little bit frustrated because he hasn't quite been able to do that. But then I, I'm not concerned moving forward. So Isaac, you concerned at all about Tatis or you think it's it's no reason to be worried? Not even the slightest concern about Fernando. He's going to be fine. You know, he's a superstar. He, I Personally, he's one of the best talents I've seen in baseball. He's really good. And I, I've seen the overrated stuff starting to pop up. And I just can't wait for him to show people like he's not overrated. He's a real deal. Um, I was thinking maybe he's pressing a little bit because, you know, he did get a big contract. Maybe he wants to prove like he's worth that contract. But we've already seen that he's worth that contract. He's carried us. He carried us throughout the whole first half of the season last year when Manny was struggling. He was our star. He was the MVP for sure. Hands down. He does have five errors to start the season, but that's also no big deal. He had three all throughout last year. First team on all MLB shortstop. Um, no concerns for Fernando. He's going to be perfectly fine. And hopefully this series is the one where, you know, he absolutely shows everyone why he's that MVP type player. We're four games in within a 162 game season. There's a lot of time for him to, you know, all right, take his strides, you know, take it step by step. It's not a 60 game season. It's not a sprint anymore. You know, we might see him struggle for maybe like another three to six games. But after that, I can completely expect you know the Tatis we saw last year that like 300 hitter 20 bombs probably more than that let's put the 62 game season but yeah I'm not concerned at all he might start off a little slow but once he gets into his gear he's never gonna look back yeah I I think the only thing that in terms of hitting not concerned at all I mean we see we saw Manny Machado struggle a lot early on last year and he was in the MVP race by the end of it. And that was a 60-game season. So 162 games, completely different beast. And I'm not concerned in the slightest about him from a hitting standpoint. I do think from a fielding standpoint, I'm not concerned, but I guess I'd say like there is reason to kind of be like, hey, he's forcing some things. I, I think we'd all see that. And I, I think I said four errors. Yeah, it's been five errors because he had two errors on Sunday. I forgot about a second. Most of the throwing errors are just coming from him trying to to make a play that's not really there today we saw him do that one with paddock and i think you'll see some people go oh paddock should have should have made that pick paddock's a pitcher running over to get the double play it's gonna be a really bang bang play that's a lot to ask paddock to make that play and for tatis just hold on the ball just wait man because the run ends up scoring because of that but overall i think it's just him trying to make make these highlight real play, not the highlight real plays, but just high level plays constantly. And I think we're going to see Manny go and talk to him today and be like, Hey man, you don't gotta, you don't gotta push these, you know, you can hold them to the ball. Sometimes you don't need to, every play doesn't have to be perfect. Every play doesn't have to be extraordinary. And I think we're going to see him definitely reduce those errors like, like he did in 2020. Cause in 2020, he only had three errors all season and he already has five through four games. 
that's just pressure. That's just him trying to be the dude. And, and we all know he is that dude, not that he's going to be it. He is that dude right now. And I don't know. I, I just think the, Oh, he's overrated. That kind of stuff. It, it, we're hearing it. So you got to address it. It's, it's just ridiculous though. But anything else you want to kind of, kind of talk about on him or what do you, what do you guys got? Yeah, if you pretty much nailed it, you know, he's not overrated. He's here to stay. He's one of the best players in the game. Five areas, like you said, he is trying to make those plays. And I think as fans, we appreciate that he's trying to go the extra mile to make those plays and help the pitchers out. But, you know, at the same time, it's all right. You know, you can you can eat it. You can hold on to the ball and, you know, it's perfectly fine. We can't expect Paddock to pick that. No way. No chance. <laughs> yeah, no way. No how. Uh, even like one of his errors, it's like his back foot slipped a little bit and it caused his arm to fall. And that, you can't really completely blame him on that. His back foot slipped on dirt. It, one of the things I would say is he does try to make every play. And I think he tries to rely too much on his arm sometimes. Like there was one play where it was like a, almost like a routine ground ball. And it may have been like Tim LaCastro running. I think it was a guy that was a little bit faster. And he tried to throw it like 100 miles an hour and sailed it a little bit. And Hosmer had to come off the bag to, you know, reach up. And it was a little off, but he had to reach up and ended up coming off the bag because of it. So if he just like settles down and doesn't try to you know, throw 100 miles an hour every single time he fields the ball, he'll make less errors. It'll come. He's young. We saw this with kind of bias when he first became in the league. He had like 13, 14 errors his first year, you know. It takes time. He'll get there. Yeah, I'm fully confident that Tatis is going to bounce back and continue to be the superstar that we all know he is. Um, but it w- we had to mention it really quickly today. So, But but then moving on from that, for, for this final segment, we're going to be going over who should be the Padres' closer. And I'll let you start, Isaac. Who's the guy that you think should be out there, ninth inning, most pivotal spot of the game? So in the Arizona series, we mostly saw Mark Melanson come out and beat the closer, and he did great in that role. But I think in my opinion, so at the beginning of the season, I thought Pagan would be the closer because originally when we got Pagan in that in that Pagan trade, he was a closer for the Rays. So I definitely thought he would be our closer. But in my opinion, I don't think we should have a set closer. Weird to say, but isn't it always like – don't you guys think maybe it's an advantage for, you know, a team like the Dodgers, the Braves, you know, the teams that we'll see in the playoffs to not know what to expect in that last inning or in the or in the setup innings. You know, I think it'd be cool to see, you know, a variation of Pomeranz, Kella, Pagan and Melanson. Maybe even Weathers comes in and throws like we saw in the Arizona series, three innings, two innings, multi, you know, like a multi-inning game. So I, just, I like the idea of uh, not really having a set closer. Yeah, that idea, it kind of just makes it easier for us to be like, okay, we know our guy's coming out. He's been really consistent in the ninth inning. You know, it's one of those things that kind of scares me is like when you don't really have a set guy for the ninth inning is you never know how one of these guys is going to pitch on any given night. And if they're kind of just set and, hey, this is my role, it kind of makes it a little bit easier for each pitcher to prepare like, okay, I'm coming into the ninth inning need to calm my nerves or this is what I need to do instead of coming into the middle innings. It's so in that case, I'll say I'd rather see Palm come in to the ninth inning each game. I like Pomeranz as a closer, having a lefty that throws 95, 96, reaching up to 98 with a nasty curveball. 
that's really what you want in a closer and it works out really well. So I'm going to have to agree with Isaac, I think a little bit more on this one only because I think that the Padres have like a lot of different guys that can fill different roles. So I think the four guys that we should bring up drew Pomeranz, Mark Melanson, Emilio Pagan, and then we can, we can toss in Ryan Weathers there too is almost the, the long inning closer. Cause he did get a save for that three inning performance. And I think in games like that, I'd like to see him go out there and take a big chunk because I love the way that they did it on Saturday where you have two guys come in and that's it. You save the rest of the pin. So maybe you use him in that like whenever they're winning big, they they bring him in to kind of finish out that whole game. And as long as he looks solid, he can do it. I think Drew Pomerantz should be in the moments where say it's the seventh, eighth or ninth. It doesn't matter which one, but whenever the heart of the lineup's coming up or a lineup that he's pitched really well against, you put him up against the, the best hitters on that team and you put him up against in the best moment. So, so say the, the heart of the orders do up in the eighth, it's better to have him come up, come in the eighth because he is their best pitcher. I think in, in the bullpen, I think we'd all agree with that. I mean, last year he had a zero ERA. He was a stud. So I definitely like that, that kind of sense of having him be that star bullpen guy. I think Mark Melanson is the most like prototypical closer. Like I think we're going to see him out there the most just because, or, or unless it's, you know, the heart of the order coming up in the ninth, I think we're going to see Mark Melanson the most be- because he's done it the most. I, that's the reason behind that. Isaac or Chase, you were talking about like the adrenaline of a, of a closer and coming in. I think the only guy that, 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 that would really affect would probably be Mark Melanson or Emilio Pagan. And the reason I bring up those two guys is because they've had they've been in that role where Drew Pomerantz kind of has been a closer, but he's also been a starter. He's also been a relief pitcher. He's kind of played every role. I'm not too concerned about him like questioning his role, but you can kind of tell these guys like, hey, we're going to use you in these specific situations, and that's where you're going to be pitched in. So they're going to, I think, kind of know going in like, okay, like we're, we're playing the, the Rockies. If we're playing the Rockies, when these guys are due up, I'll probably pitch in these situations. I, you know, and, and kind of see it like that. Um, and I'll go back to you, Chase. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that's a way that you could that you could run the bullpen, or do you think that kind of gets a little bit like unor- not un- I guess unorganized a little bit? Well, it also it's so hard to plan it like that because you're going to have to use more arms on one day than another. I'm not saying like it's not possible. I actually really like that idea. It's just that in a 162 games, you're going to have a lot of guys going, throwing 60 to 80 innings and trying to just say, you know, you get this role on this day. And it's just not convenient because you never know when we're going to have like another time where a pitcher goes four innings and we need to use five bullpen arms or another guy that goes things later in that weekend and we have to use another five bullpen arms. It's, it's hard to plan that out. I'd love to see the Padres try it, but at the same time, it just might be really difficult to limit. So, so then Isaac, what, what would your kind of like, cause you said like, they're not gonna be a set guy. What, what would your like ideal situations be for, for each of these pitchers? I honestly, you know, Chase brought up Pomeranz as a closer, and I absolutely agree. He'd be an amazing closer, but he's been really great in that setup role. Um, you know, setting up whoever it is, Pagan, Melanson, he's been really great in that setup role. Even recently in the past, we've seen him come in seven, eighth inning. And not to mention, he was a starter, so maybe he can go an extra inning. But Chase, you're absolutely right, man. I'd absolutely think Pomeranz can fill that closer role perfectly. I'd say for Pomeranz, setup or closer is perfect. Pagan, 
it's kind of hard to tell with Pagan because Pagan was a closer, but he probably fits that seventh, eighth inning kind of guy. Melanson, kind of same thing as Pomeranz, set up for closer. And then Kella would be like a sixth, seventh inning kind of guy. Weathers is the guy where if you need to preserve your bullpen, you have him throw multiple innings. Yeah, I forgot to even mention Kella because he definitely could be into in that discussion as well. Uh, Emilio Pagan, I don't know if you guys know this. He's 2-0 right now. He has two of the Padres wins, him and Musgrove. And then Weathers has a save and Melanson has two. So that's kind of where these guys' stats are at right now. But I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting how it plays out. I wonder if they'll go through different stages of the season. Like, say Melanson is kind of the guy early on. But then they decide, you know, we think uh, Pagan's been play- pitching better this year. We're going to put him into that role. So I don't. I think that's why they've been kind of patient with it, just because they're not sure. They, they have a lot of quality arms, and they're just not quite sure – who's who's the best right now so i think that's a lot of the reason but that's kind of all i got today uh anything else you guys wanted to add before we take off here we talked about hosmer in another segment uh, i just want to say you know we obviously are sorry but the slander will not stop because he clearly does good <laughs> when, he clearly does good when we slander him so why stop you know so you know we but, just gotta we just gotta keep the man hosmer you're terrible dude and then he just goes out there four for five you know bombs all 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 season long (laughs) exactly so you know credit to Hosmer though great series great series uh for the Padres in general you know we ended up three and one and that's a great way to start the series or start the season you know all I can say is we're gonna approach that 17 game stretch hopefully we'll be able to see Mackenzie Gore soon I can't wait for his debut that that is gonna be something very very exciting but With all that said, I think it's going to wrap up today's show. If you're listening to this Padres closer segment, comment what you who you think should be the guy, and comment if it should be a a, like a multiple situation where you you know one day you have Pomeranz, one day you have Lance, and one day you have Pagan, and one day you have Weathers coming there and and pitch three innings because I I love the three inning save. I think it's one of the funniest stats in the sport. Like oh oh you were up fourteen to zero and you pitched three innings and allowed five runs and you still got a save. Very interesting. Don't know if that quite deserves a, a save, but I, I like that that Weathers got his first career save on Saturday. That was awesome. So thanks, everyone, for watching, and we'll talk to you guys soon.